We're starting a new series, and the new series is, is around the concept of spiritual formation. A spiritual formation is, uh, well, if you, if you go to a theological college, it would be one of the base courses that you do nowadays. Talking about, you know, how do, how do we grow? How do we walk with God? And uh, so with those thoughts in mind, I'm talking this morning about God. Now, this will be a slightly different message than I normally do. Because uh, I like a lot of how messages. I'm a, I'm a great believer. If you can't live it, why preach it? That's just the basic fundamental. So, I, so most of my, so uh, the, the who, what, when, where, and why, it always comes to the how to me. And uh, we will come to the how, but today's going to be the, more of a who type message and, and uh, a little bit different because I want to talk about God and, and, uh, and, and trying to get our mind around God as well. Yeah, I've call, called it the God who's beyond and very near. Yeah, God is a, a God of extremes, isn't he? Uh, we, we, you know, we get to know God and yet we'll never know God. He's, he's beyond our capacity to even understand. Uh, you know, we, we hear from God, but we don't hear from God, you know, as much as we want to do. You know, we, there's, so, there's so many uh, mysteries involved around this person, God, and I'd like to talk about a little bit of that this morning. Turn with me to the book of, uh, well, we're going to start, let's start where we should start, Genesis chapter 1. Just for a statement, Genesis one verse was, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that's it. <laughs> Sums up the whole message. In the beginning, God created. Look, you look around and say, you look at the person next to you and say, you know, God created you. God created I mean, you, you, you got, you're, the, you're the result of God. Now, I hope no one puts their hand up and said, look, I've got him some questions to ask about this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can think of a funny story. We won't go into it. But um, yeah, God, God creates us, doesn't he? Everything we see is, cre- is creation of God. There's nothing original here. It's something that was created by God. It's something that, that, that you know, it's, you know, you know we, we didn't create a chair. The, it was, this was in existence, everything uh, we just made this chair. You know, we, we reproduce things. And uh, it's, a, it's a mystery of trying to understand, well, well who is God? Because you know, you know, he, he was not created. And uh, so some of the, you know, the, as I said, the Bible begins with God. And uh, when you read the Bible, you suddenly realize that people are talking about a God who I would not have created. Now, if, if God was creation of me, or you maybe, I would have created a God like the genie in the bottle. Well, you rub the bottle and, and God pops out and says, Peter, what do you want? I mean, that would have been my ideal God. When you think of it, I mean, you're the genie. Like, uh, you know, uh, do you remember the, you know, that uh, movie, I Dream of Genie? That's a single man's idea of God, Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether the women like that there or the married men, but uh, you know, but, but it's going to be a single person of God. You know, there's this beautiful women you know, jumping out there and saying, you know, hey, what do you want? You know, like it's like, you know, uh, probably a wife's nightmare, uh, but uh, but a single man's dream. You know, if we think about God, we, we think, you know, what God would you've created? It would not have been like anything that is in this book. Isn't it true? 
It's just God is just so different, and it's some of those differences you want to have a look at. So, uh, but it's amazing that in the midst of of God, and all, you know, He created the perfect place. It all falls apart, and there's murder. Uh, you know, there's mayhem going on. And then you just read here. Let me just read it to you. Genesis chapter five, verse twenty-two. And it simply says this. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Now, isn't that an amazing thought? That Enoch walked with God. If I had the one desire of life, and if I had one desire to have on my tombstone, It'd be he walked with God. I can think of no greater accolade, no greater treasure, no greater worthwhile thing to say he walked with God. But but isn't it amazing that with all the sin, with all the problems, that this man walked with God? You know, God would come down to heaven and talk with Adam and Eve and they had a relationship that was very personal, very close. In fact, it's called the face-to-face relationship. And then all of a sudden sin comes and they see God no more like that. They've got to preach God with sacrifice. It's, it's totally changed. And, but in the midst of that change where God has gone back to heaven again because he, Enoch walks with God. And, and God basically says one day, hey, why bother going back there? Come with me home. And amazing so he walked with God. And so in the next few months, well not the next few months, next probably the next six weeks, we'll try to unpack. You know, what is it, you know, trying to walk with God? Can we I'm not too sure that I'll get to the exact answer that we'll all say, Gee, is the whole church walked with God. <laughs> I'd like to think that was true, but but I, I'd like to think that I'm going to be closer personally with walking with God by the time the series finish, finishes. Because that's my heart. But it's kind of understanding this person called God. Because God is just something that I've never seen God. God's invisible. How how do you get to know this invisible person? uh, We've seen the film The Invisible Man, but just prayer is really hard with the invisible man, isn't it? I've heard people talk about techniques. One person used to put a chair beside his bed and, and he'd sit on his bed and put the chair and talk with God. He'd visualize God in the chair. And that's a great thing to do. But it's, it's, you know, prayer is difficult if you've got an invisible God. Who are you talking to? The invisible person. And then I'm not even, to, but the problem is not the invisible person, the problem is me. How do I know that I am just not making this all up? That these voices, these impressions that I get, this idea, you know, and, and, and am I really game to really step out on what I hear? And how do I develop this relationship that I can hear from this God who wants to walk with me? Because I think it's more important that he wants to walk with me than I really want to walk with him. How amazing to think that God wants to walk with us. 
So if those thoughts are mind, let me read to you Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Moses wanted to know God, and of course in the days of, of when, before cities were really completely built as we know it today, one of the, you know, we usually get to know people by what they do in the community. So if I say to Frank, what do you do? And he says, I'm a pastor. You know, well, some people go, wow, you know, that's, uh, that's great. I, I, I wished I was a pastor. Other people say, oh, you're one of those, are you? <laughs> you know, we evaluate the people by what they do. You know, uh, you know, you're, a, you know you're a bank manager. You're like, oh, well, I better be nice. You know, just imagine if you come in and say, you know, what do you do? I work for the taxation department. Well, you're not going to tell him about your business from then, are you? Are you? you know, it, it just affects it. You know, you know we, we ask people, the first thing we ask when we have a conversation with them is, what do you do? Because as soon as we talk about what you do, we know what your income you're earning, roughly. We've located where you are and where we are on the scale, and we'll find out whether we can relate to you. That's true. Like, like if a guy says, you know, who are you? And he says, uh, you know, I'm, the, I'm the professor of nanotechnology at Griffith University. You're going to say, oh, well, that's, that's really good. She was like, is this that late, is it? <laughs> I've got to go. Because <laughs> you're going to say, what have I got in common with him? You know, uh, I've made the mistake of asking PhD people what their thesis was on, and uh, I've had to ask them. In fact, I've asked my brother, who's got a PhD, what his thesis was on. He's told me four times, and I still haven't got it. <laughs> it's a PhD in science, he, he, but he says these words that I don't even understand what they are. I mean, to unpack the sentence to know what his thesis is on. And, you know, all I know is about soil. <laughs> but soils ain't soils to the scientist. And uh, it was about statistical analysis and soils and water and flood. Oh, anyhow, that's as close as I can get to it. But totally useless. Never have to do anything <laughs> soils. <laughs> but, you know, but there again, uh, higher education is not about what you actually learn. It's the process of how you learn and strengthen your muscles. But that's another story. Uh, so... In this rural community, you know, what if you ask the question, what do you do? Well, you know, well, I, I have sheep, I have cattle, everybody's got that. We're all the same. We all live in small, smaller kind of villages, you know, we, we're all the same. So in a place where everybody's got the same job, you'd ask, who are you? What's your name? And your name would tell you what your reputation was. So Moses, when he met with God, he thought, well, what's your name? God could have said a lot of things because he's got a lot of great names, hasn't he? Shepherd, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Breakthrough. Yeah, I mean, we, the names of God just go on. But he said, I am that I am. I mean, my first question, have you just done a PhD thesis? I would be saying to him right there, what do you mean? You know, and I guess the best way that I could say when he says I am who I am, he's just saying, there's nothing to compare yourself with me. I am. I can't give you a name because nothing can compare with me. I'm God. So how do we walk with this person? who we feel we have nothing to compare with. 
That's the million dollar question. And that's what we want to unpack over this thing. So number one, who is this God? Number one, he's holy God. Well, just the word holy. If you nothing, you know, you could if you were to describe Frank and myself, say, tell us about Frank and Peter, they're holy men. I don't think that's gonna come out of your mouth. <laughs> You know, it's not. I'm not saying that we're unholy, but it's just not the. You're not going to put the holy up there, are you? You know, it's kind of like unrelatable. You know, well, I don't know whether it'd be. If I was to say Frank was holy, I don't know whether I'm blaspheming, even. You know, because yeah, it's God. You know, Frank is there. I don't know about you, Frank. <laughs> Last week we asked for. A, we, we introduced Mike, and we said we we, we said look, we want. To, you're introducing our church tonight, the most handsomest guy in church. And 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 and, and Frank stood up and ran out, you know. <laughs> so, so Frank, you're either you're either holy and the most good looking guy in the church, or you're suffering from delusion in prayer. I don't know what it is. And, but one thing you do have, and that's plenty of confidence, that's what we like. You know, in other words, it's what we're really talking about is, is how you know. Holiness, it's, it's almost like the word inconceivableness, isn't it? How do you conceive? You know, God is, who is God? Well, I think God is unconceivable. You know, you just, how do you get it in? And when we think of, you know, he's holy. So let me just unpack holiness for a moment. Um, when we talk about God, this is I am and walk with God. We, we, we're talking about something in theology called imminence. God is with us, and there's something God-like. For instance, God is with us. Is when God made you and I, he created us in his image, and he breathed the breath of life. When he breathed life, it means that we all come from that one breath. From Adam and Eve, we have the same breath. Didn't create new breaths. It's the same breath. We should reproduce that breath. It's a breath of, so no matter what skin color, no matter what race, no matter what nation we come from, no matter what our age, we all have the breath of God. There's something that unites us together, and it's that God-likeness. Tragically, what really also unites us together is that brokenness called sin. But we're joined together. You know, that's why, so, so we can, doesn't matter where we go in the world, we can go to a tribe in Papua New Guinea, like some of the people here have done, like men. She uses the same book as we use in Los Angeles or Brisbane. Because we've all got the same breath. It's a God-likeness. We, we all, though we're different, skin colorings, sex, race, intellect, and yet we, we're all the same. We all know and desire with all the heart something called love. We need love. We all want to laugh. We all want to have fun. You know, we, we all want to have peace. You know, the, the fruit of the Spirit is the commonality of that breath, isn't it? No matter where you go, people want the same things. They want peace. They might decide that the only way they can get peace is through war, but their, 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 their peace might be but deep down, we all want the same thing. So the same book speaks to us 
because it's about God. It brings us back into that God-likeness. Now, we've talked about God as imminent. He's in us, the imminence of God. But there's also something we call in theology transcendence. And it's the direct opposite. It's unknowable. God is like higher than we are, better than we are. He lives in heaven. We live in earth. Heaven and earth are not the same place. You know, God, you know and, and that's the mystery that we have with God, that he is just so, he's, he was so close to us that he's our very breath. and We become his temple, the Holy Ghost. That's the, the new experience and, and the redemption that we have. We have that same breath in it and it becomes a temple, but yet he's still transcendent. He's above us, beyond us, and we've got to, communicate and walk with this God who calls himself our Father. Paul cries out this, this is how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. We just can't. God's bigger than we are. He's transcendent. You know, I guess the closest I can think about it is a baby and its mother. And we've got babies here. We see the baby sitting in the lap there. Now, the baby will never understand mum. Mum is too bright for her. Can never have a conversation with her. She hasn't even learnt language yet. You know, a baby, but there's a connection, but every baby knows his mother. Intellectually, no. But, the, but a baby knows his mother, and, and you take a baby away from his mother, you've got a hurt baby. In fact, you've probably got a, you've probably got a, a baby that's going to grow up into a woman or a man who's scarred because it's taken away from his mother. And if you've ever been adopted... You would, you'd know exactly what I'm saying. You'd know what it feels like, the hurts and the fears and the, everything that goes with it. You know, If you've come from a mother that's a rejected or a father that's a rejected, you'd know those feelings. But there's something about... That, see, we, God uses the image of... He even uses the image of mother. But he uses the image of father so we can know God as a baby. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, unless... The, he becomes a little child. He'll never enter the kingdom of God. See, we have this thing that we've got to mentally explain everything before we want to enter in. Isn't that true? Like, uh, you know, if, if you can tell me and I can get my mind around how you can give money to the church and, uh, you know, you're going to get blessed. If you could explain that, I'll do it. But if you can't explain that well enough then, you know, we'll write you off as, as just another person who wants my money. Isn't that true? You know, when it comes to sickness, you know, if, you know, if we like doctors because they can explain what's going to happen to us. Well, we're going to cut the lump out. We're going to do it. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You feel a lot better. I don't know how that makes you feel better, but you do. But, but when you say, I'm going to pray for you, what's going to happen? Well, what will I see? Well, I don't know. When will it happen? Well, it's going to happen instantaneously, but... The plantar wart theory. 
than you would have said INC. <laughs> it could take you ages. Oh, and by the way, you, there's a trial of your faith. You could suffer. No, I'm going. I, I like the doctor better. He's going to cut it out. <laughs> it sounds quick and easy. It may be just a couple of weeks healing. See, see, that's what we wrestle with, isn't it? You know, because we want to intellectually have, have everything explained to us. And God says, I can't explain it because you just would not understand it. He said, you've just got to know me. And you've got to walk with me. Just come with me. And, and you know, that, isn't that what a child does with its mother? Mum takes it everywhere. You know, I, I think about my relationship with my father that, um, of course, has passed and gone away. But my father never played ball with me. My father never took me to the movies or anything else. My I can't remember my father doing all those, like, uh, you know, we went on holidays here. But my whole memory life is that Whenever Dad was doing something in the farm, I could always be with him. My father never taught me how to, how to uh, you know, put an engine together. He never taught me. He never sat me down and told me about things. But, you know, I got a job once when I was 21 as a spare parts manager as a salesman. And you know what? There wasn't one part of a car that I didn't know what it was. Because somehow my father would pull the engines apart and talk to me about it. He never told me how to put an engine back, but I watched my father. You know, I, I knew every part of a house because my father would talk to me about it because I was with him. I knew every part of the tractor. You know? You know, there's some things I could touch and some things I couldn't touch, but I, I just knew things that was imparted to me by just being with him. Walking with God has a lot just about, like a baby, being with his dad or mum. You know, we are being people we want to be knowing people but we're human beings but we sometimes walk in the trap where we want to be human knowings if i get more information then i'll be changed if i just learn more study more know more but you know sometimes we just want to need to be with him in his presence gather together in his presence. I don't know what happens, but a transformation takes place. There's a fresh breath of God that comes into us. Well, we said God. God's holy. When we think of holiness, we think of uh, top marks on moral perfection, don't we? God gets a top mark, you know. He gets number 10, we get point zero 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 one. Yeah, but God, when he talks about being holy, he's not talking about top grades for keeping the rules. Because isn't that most of our Christianity is about how well did I do with what I was told to do? What, what grade am I on? Now, God, God is free from that because that's He's just the rules just describe who He is through the laws of knowledge. Of sin, knowledge of righteousness, the law is good. This is just who he is. He can't be anything but who he is. And you know, we're the same. Lindsay, Lindsay is persists, persistent. I'll give her one thing. She's totally persistent. She's persistent with the kids. She's persistent more than the kids is me. 
She's told me every day of my life to do certain things and I've never done them. I fail every day. But every morning's a new morning with new mercies. Lindsay comes up with hope and faith and says, today I'm going to tell Peter I believe in God. I mean, she has not broken in her persistence one little bit. And I've got the sneaky suspicion that that will never stop because that's who she is. And that's who I am. And so we've got ourselves, of course, into something called sin. And this is who we are. We suddenly realize that we want to be different, but we've got barriers that keep us who we are. I'm shy. I'm embarrassed. I'm lonely. I'm fearful. I'm critical. I'm angry. You know, because it's just, we just need something, that fresh breath of the born-again experience, don't we? That the only person who can break us out of who we are is not a new set of rules. It's a new person. And that's what God offers us. Because God, 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 God is without these things. And I think, it, you know, just to summarize that thought, I think the only way you can understand holiness is through poetry, worship, and song. I think that explains the holiness. It's, it's the only way we can, do, we can describe in that imagery and in that emotion. But that's another thought. So God is not only whoa, holy, but God is a spirit. Now, when we think of spirit, we think of something that's non-existent, something that's not tangible or non-existent. But you can't say God is non-existent because he exists. So the spirit is something that's not tangible. It's, see, we, we're born into a tangible world. You know, it was cr- God created everything. And, and we just, we don't create, you know, we don't create as in bringing something that's not tangible. We just take what's tangible and recreate it, don't we? And we build buildings with it and cars with it and, and, and we do amazing things. We build chairs with it. But, you know, and how long have we been building chairs? But every time, but there'll be a new chair, different color. And you look and we'll go, wow, I've got to have that chair. I mean, I'm amazed. We, you know, you wear clothes, but it's not too long before you say, you see something shop and say, I've got to have that clothes. I've got to have that car. You know, there's, it's a, there's, a, some, there's a certain creativity in this, but it hasn't actually changed. It's still clothes. And God, his spirit. We could ab- argue, I guess, that abstract ideas is not a tangible didn't exist before. But so you can't have an abstract idea if you didn't have a tangible brain which kind of pops and lights up and comes up with a brilliant thought. You know, it's neuroscience tells us that. You know, so, th- so even our ideas are, are, are don't exist from nothing. God does. Before he does, he's different than us. The whole human race, he's a spirit. And the problem with being a spirit is, is that a spirit, well, number one, we know that a spirit is a person. A spirit is not just some, like a force like wind. It's invisible like wind. It has power like wind. But God is a person. And, we think about per- and when we think about personhood, 
we think sometimes of, well, think of creation. You know, we have in creation, we have the higher vertebrates, that's man. We have the lower vertebrates, like worms. Now, if you've ever had a pet worm, I know, has anyone here had a pet worm? See, pet worms are boring. That's why we don't have pet worms. They don't talk. They, can't, they don't smile. They've got no moods. Yeah, they hide in the ground. They don't want to see you. And besides that, they're ugly. They're fish bait. But a dog is different. I mean, a dog is a dog and a worm. Is a, a dog's a bit higher because he's got intellect. I mean, a dog, dog can be smart. You know, he he knows when you when you're upset with him and he he, he runs away. You know, he he knows to come and sit on your lap and talk to you. Or, you know, and, and and bark and you know and do all that. You can you can have a relationship with the dog. You can't have a relationship with the worm. <laughs> so our work with God is because He's so high. We think sometimes we don't we can't get that relationship going. But we can have a relationship because he's a person. And one thing that people do have, I think the highest thing, that it's not just intellect that makes us higher, it's emotion. And when we connect with a dog, we don't sit down the dog and say, listen, I've been having a financial problem this week. I wonder if you could help me. You know, look, you know I can't handle my... Kids, you know, have you got some ideas? What, what, what do you do? What did you do in your family? You know, he doesn't reply. Say, well, I bit them all and, <laughs> and dragged them all by the scruff of the neck and put them back in here, and, just, and then I kicked them out when they got older. He can't tell you those things, but we relate to him because he's got emotions. You know, he, he dogs feel, don't they? They feel guilt. They know when they've done wrong, they slink, hide from you. They're happy. They even get grumpy. They get angry. They get tired. They, they, they've got all these emotions. And, and it's these emotions that would help us. Really. And see, God's like that. But when we read the God of the Bible, we suddenly say, hey, God's got a lot higher emotions than I have because he's a higher being. You know, I don't know. I have a few people that when they read the New Testament first or Old Testament first, we usually tell people to read the Gospel of John. It's a lot more loving. But when you first, when you first read the Old Testament, you think, my God, who is this God? He kills everybody. <laughs> he murders cities like 80,000 a day and he doesn't have a second thought about it. You're looking at this, and then you come to the New Testament so he even kills his son. I mean... And we try to relate. How do we relate to that God who slaughtered? I mean, this isn't. You've got to realize one thing about God. He's angry at times. And his anger surpasses our anger. See, that's the key about God. God, you know, because he's higher than we are, his emotions are a lot higher. But see, what we don't see, of course, is what those people did to his children. And how they're destroying nations and the thing. And we don't see the 300 years that he saw his children because they are his children. We don't see what he sees and we don't see how much he persevered because we go through the chapters really quickly. We can go through a thousand years in a couple of pages. We don't see the perseverance of God. See, if we're going to understand God, we've, you know, we've got to realize just we look and say, we love, but God loves me more than I'll ever love. 
His love is higher. You know, God, God is, He looks down me and He's, you know, I love my kids. I mean, I love my grandchildren. I mean, I get, you know, babies are fascinating. You know, when they grow, I mean, I sit there and I watch Audrey and I watch the grandsons doing it. I don't know whether I had the time to do it when I was younger. But I look at my kids and I see, and I'm fascinated with my grandchildren. And, I, you know, I can waste time just looking at my grandkids, what they're doing. They're so funny. You know, like, they just, they're so simple. Like Audrey, we're trying to teach Audrey to crawl. Like Audrey has got no elder brother, so it's up to Mike and me to teach her to crawl. I mean, <laughs> but the dad says, so we hop down there and these, and we show Audrey. To go. She hasn't got it yet. She can, she can put a, she can, she can bend the knees. She can even plank. She can even plank on one leg. You know, I mean, she's she's going really well. She can plank. Even Lindsay can't plank, but she can plank with the back. <laughs> I mean, she's a planking specialist. But you know, there's something about Hosea. And let me read it to you. It's, Hosea has a book about God's love for his people and how he deeply feels about him. And listen to what he says, if I can find it quickly in my notes. It's somewhere here. Uh, not that page, got to be this page here. He says this. Hosea chapter 11 verse 3 says, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. He looks at Ephraim who's, who's, who's disobeying him and running, and he looks and he sees a baby that he taught to walk. We're trying to teach Audrey to crawl. But you know what? We're not the, there's something in Audrey that just makes her crawl. And you can tell, any, any mother knows, oh, well, between six and nine months they'll crawl or something. Well, I don't know have the figures. And so long it walks, you know, we know it's just in them. You don't have to teach them, it's in them. We know if they have an elder brother or sister, they'll do it quicker. But in the end, it's God teaching that baby to walk. He said, I teach you on the way. You know, God intimately cares about our children and you and me because we're his children. Intimately. When we suddenly realize who God is, how intense his love for us, how intense his anger is for us, which scares us at the time, but we realize he'll do not, everything possible to get rid of the violence so he can love us and he can protect us and care for us. When we realize the intensity of, of how much he's for us, it's got to make us a lot easier to walk with him, hasn't it? Knowing God. Well, that's our series. God, this is a, how we're going to do it. Well, it's just knowing him, number one today. When we really know who he is and stop looking at him like we look at our friends. No wonder we need worship to lift our hearts and our eyes further so we can see a God who's more intense than we are in his emotions and his person, intellectually, emotionally, every way. What a wonderful God we have. He's our Father who creates a new birth and a new life. Come, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today that 
we would experience you on our journey to know you. We ask, Lord, that you help us walk with you. Give us keys. Lift our vision and our emotions so we would be the people of God, the loving people of God. Father, let us be a light to this world and to those around about us. Let it be a help to our soul in Jesus' name. Amen.